Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Thursday, July 21st, 2022. This is a special one-foot-out-the-door edition of this podcast. Mr. Taylor has graciously agreed to record a new episode of Fine Tuning before he then begins his drive down to San Diego to begin covering this year's edition of Comic-Con, which... If I'm remembering the traffic on the, the 5 correctly means that Drew should be arriving at the convention center, what, Saturday? Yeah, if I get there for the Hall H panel, I'll be, I'll be lucky. No, I think I'll, I think I'll be there by like, I don't know, 4 or 5 maybe. It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. We are extremely grateful that Drew agreed to get up at the butt crack of dawn in California to do this week's show. And uh, Mr. Taylor probably hasn't had enough coffee yet for this recording, and I've definitely had too much. So it should be a real interesting show. <laughs> First, the news. And as always, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Drew, just to jump into it, anyone who listens to this show on a regular basis knows that you and I are huge fans of Craig McCracken and his lovely wife, Lauren Faust. Personally, never gotten over that Wanderer Reander got shut down in June of 2016 with, with just two seasons. Uh. And likewise, somebody has to rescue Medusa, wrestle it away from Sony. That's the project that Lauren was developing and was going to direct, and really smart take on Greek mythology, and if it ever got produced, would immediately be embraced by little girls and animation fans everywhere. Now, it's Craig's most recent project, Kid Cosmic, which was McCracken's first serialized series, right? Yeah, did you, did you finish watching it? I have to finish season three, which dropped in February. But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Did you see the news about the Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary's Friends I reboot? Did. Reimagining? I did. I thought it was interesting that he is going back to the well and reimagining mm -hmm. these because I think he's one of the most creative people mm -hmm. in animation. It's kind of a shame that he's doing going back to previously... Creative things, but I also thought it was interesting that he's using the Hanna-Barbera Europe studio to do yeah. it. Yeah, it's an interesting choice, and coupled with the fact Powerpuff Girls is an extension, an expansion of the, the pre-existing series, where Foster's is supposedly a reimagining, right? That the, the idea of creating an all-new set of preschool-age imaginary friends. Oh, is that? I didn't see that part. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm actually doing yeah. a story about preschool shows right now and how they are kind of the the last frontier for the whole cradle to the grave methodology <laughs> of these co corporations. Oh, you are going to have so much fun. What well, are I, you actually, dating? I actually talked to people who uh, worked on Bat Wheels, Bugs Bunny Builders, and an executive oh. at uh, at Warner Brothers who's, who kind of talked me through the, the okay. process. Because I just watched that clip of Bugs Bunny Builders, and it's interesting. I I am looking forward to this story. Well, it, ha it they have to serve so many masters because they also have an educational program within each show. But wasn't it 2020 that there was the announcement of that live action version of Powerpuff Girls, only now they were teenagers? 
wasn't the pilot written by Deobla Cody or? Oh yeah, I don't know if she worked. I I, re- I remember what you're talking about. I mean, there were pictures that leaked. I think they were actually they recast the the girls at least once. Just in the last 12 hours after uh, the news broke about the new Powerpuff Girls extension, it's like, well, what's going on with the live action thing? And because this is supposedly going to the CW, and it was just, a, nope, this is still in the works. It's still an active project. So yeah, I mean, those photos looked like some kind of something off of a fetish website or something. So I, <laughs> I can see what maybe they wanted some more time. Like I said, folks, he's not <laughs> had enough coffee. All right, the filters are. What am up I yet. saying like, here? What uh, am I saying? Yeah. Okay. I think the live action thing is still pretty viable, but this is also something that sets Warner Brothers apart, right? Is that mm-hmm. they're completely willing to do things in the same sort of IP at different levels. Like we were talking about the Scooby-Doo and and the puppy friends or whatever at the same time as they're doing Velma. In the second half of today's show, we're going to be talking about the DC original movies, which, again, if you think about, you look at things like Todd Phillips' Joker or Matt Reeves' The Batman, and see Batwheel show in development at the same time that this fall we're going to see the Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. It's just sort of like, do you want a hamburger? Do you want VC schwas? We have the same ingredients. We'll use it in a couple different ways. So now doubling back to your drive down to Comic-Con, what do you do in the car? Do you listen to podcasts, audiobooks? You know, well, I'm actually help? driving down with a friend, so I think we're just going to catch up. You know, um, we <laughs> I don't see people very often, Jim, so I, I'm sure I will be <laughs> gabbing on the way down. Well, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. The reason I was asking about audiobooks is, again, I finally got my copy of the Disney Revolt, The Great Labor War of Animation's Golden Age, and I have started reading it. Have you cracked it yet? Or, I haven't, but I'm, uh, I'm bringing it down with the foolhardy intent to, mm-hmm. before I m- close my eyes from sheer exhaustion each night, trying to get through some of it. But yeah, we will have we will have him on the, the author on the show at some point. Yes, in yeah. fact, I did want to mention this. Well, Jake S. Friedman uh, has been very kind to offer to come on Fine Tuning. And so Drew and I have to finish reading the book before we quiz him about the book. Yes. I've gotten into it, and he has a really interesting take on the story, what what he's decided to do is take Walt Disney and Art Babbitt, one of the key figures in the Disney Strike of 41, and it's toggling back and forth between their stories to sort of get you set up to why these two guys who initially, I mean, that's the thing, Art came to the studio and within two years was, was one, a member of Disney's inner circle. I mean, he was the animator that Walt was really relying on as they made the jump from shorts to features. And to have Art be the one who was leading the strike against the studio was the ultimate betrayal for Walt. It's a 322-page hardcover, really enjoying it. I've already heard, in reading this thing, I've already heard stories I've never heard before. So Friedman really did his homework, so well worth seeking out. Another book I'm pretty sure you're going to want to get your hands on, Drew, is Hollywood Ending, Harvey Weinstein, and the Culture of Silence. Oh, uh, yeah. Ken Atchuleta, the, the author of this book, did brand new interviews with people like Michael Eisner, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and, and Peter Murphy, who is the head of strategic planning at Disney, and basically gets them to admit that they, they turned a blind eye to a lot of... Harvey's more reprehensible behaviors. And really? 
Yeah. You know, he was making a lot of money for us. And when award season rolled around, we took home a lot of statues. So it was like, what's interesting is Ken walks you through the stuff that, that finally made them decide to turn against Harvey. And, and some of the stuff was Harvey's sexually abusing women and doing inappropriate things in hotel rooms in New York. But, you know, when he comes out to California and he smokes in the hallways at Disney, that's it. It's one of these things. We have no smoking signs all up all over the Burbank studios, and he's being disrespectful. So we need to figure out what to do with Weinstein. And it's like, so smoking's the thing that's too far, not that he's doing awful things to, to actresses. He besmirched the Michael Graves building. I mean, that's really... <laughs> all right and and finally third book here in my summer reading pile this past tuesday picked up a copy of don bluth somewhere out there my animated life and drew you've read Uh, there we go that's the appropriate noise okay i would say that people should think twice maybe before picking it up if you really want a deep dive into the movies that made don bluth so special Mm-hmm. The stories that you were probably looking for, they just aren't there in this book, I will say. You're not wrong. You were not wrong. 374-page softcover book from Smart Pop. Think about the animation history that Don was personally involved in. And that's what's so weird about this book. He will literally walk up to a story that you want to hear and then veer off. Not even any good Xanadu anecdotes, Jim. It seems like this book is not written for an animation fan. This is more written for folks who go to the Church of the Latter-day Saints. It's more, I mean, it's Don sort of writing the story for that audience, don't you think? Yeah, I didn't, I really didn't know what to make of this book, Mm -hmm. Jim. I, I was... Absolutely mystified. I think I started reading it before you, and I just said, whoa, watch out. (laughs) This is Mm -hmm. like, it's, yeah, it's very churchy, I would say. There's a lot of kind of anecdotes about life and lessons about growing up on the farm and unnecessary details about what it's like to be a poor Mormon kid in the boonies where you have to use one tub of water to wash six kids on a Saturday Mm -hmm. night and... I think you had read ahead of me, and I said, oh, oh, is he going to talk about Dracula? Nope. Mm -hmm. Just nothing. All the things you want to hear, the dirt. Well, and I think it's because he couches it in all this kind of, like, wisdom, folksy wisdom that, like... Well, yeah, there's a lot of talking to himself in the mirror, and this. I, you know, just... (laughs) Look, I've been waiting on this book for decades. There wouldn't have been a second golden age of animation at Disney Studios, if not for Don Blewett. And when he walked out the door in September of 79 and took a third of the staff with him, that's what finally awoke the sleeping giant. If Don hadn't done that, gone off and set up Aurora Productions and done Secret of Nim and, and American Tale and, and the like, Disney would have been churning out more films like Fox and the Hound or Black Cauldron, which on the surface, look ambitious, but if you actually take a look at them, they're toothless, which is, again, a word I don't want to use, but that's the thing with somewhere out there. This is a toothless memoir. I wanted some really juicy stories from this guy who had a front row seat for real animation history, and it, it's just not there in this book. Yeah, and a guy who who often acted like a complete ass 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that is something that is not dealt with at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. what he did to Disney was pretty questionable, I would say. You know, like, kind of rounding everybody up and leaving on his birthday as this kind of sign that he was going to strike out on his own. I mean... There's just no grappling with any of this. I mean, how many companies did he bankrupt, Jim? I mean, come on. Like, these are things that if I were looking back on my life, I would maybe grapple with. But there is just nothing. Yeah. uh, But again, spends a lot of time talking to himself in the mirror and talking about hubris. You know what's weird, Drew, is this suddenly makes me nervous for the Dick Nunes book that's coming out in uh, October of this year, the Walt's Apprentice keeping the Disney dream alive. I mean, I mean, I've been waiting for decades for that one too. And what happens if Dick doesn't deliver the goods? You know, Jim, a Dick not delivering the goods has been a problem for <laughs> hey! time immemorial. <laughs> okay, kids, moving on here. You know, like I said, no filters. He's not having had enough coffee. I'm so sorry. I have a little bit of news for you, Jim, that just broke uh, that I just saw on Twitter. Ooh, what? Steve Carell made $12.5 million for his role as Gru in Minions, The Rise of Gru. Wow. I think you and I could have done it with some, you know, voice <laughs> modulation. I cannot believe that. We are, how many Minion films are? We've got the first three Despicable Maze. We've got the first Minions, and now we have the fifth. And with another Despicable Me coming in, what, next year or 2020? next year, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Given the billions that the series has, you know, the, the fact that Mr. Carell, please show up, you know, stay yeah. in front of the mic for a couple yeah. of hours. And then, I mean, face it, half of this job is then now you go on Good Morning America. Now you go on he, The Tonight he Show. Did, I will say he was a good sport when it came to the, the press tour. Yeah. Because he's the only one that you that can go on it for a Minions movie, right? What are you going to put, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, Pierre Coffin out there and just have him mutter things to yeah, people? No. Like, you know. Beep, 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 beep. No, yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're not wrong. But to put this in perspective, just yesterday they were announcing that Tom Hardy is being paid $20 million to do Venom 3. So it's like... The fact that somebody who's doing voice work for an animated feature is getting that sort of a payday. I feel like Carell earns it, especially given what he's willing to do to promote these things. So We should do a feature sometime about what people have been paid for animated movies. And Excellent, excellent yes. idea, and we will pursue that. Beyond that, did you see that earlier this week, Netflix released images for Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, that the animated thing that's based on the 1970 live-action Scrooge that's coming out in December? Oh, I didn't see that it was based on the 70s version. I just thought oh. to myself, an animated Scrooge, what a novel concept. Well, no, what's, what's really cool about this is they've gone back and they're pulling music out of the, you know, and this was a full-blown musical, you know, it was, in fact, it was a deliberate attempt to sort of follow on the success of Oliver. Remember the big movie musical that, that took home the best picture, I want to say, in 68? I really want to see this because Scrooge, the live action thing, had some of the weirdest production numbers in the history of man. In fact, there, there, there's one moment in the show. It's, this it's is like, George C. You know, Scott, right? Well, no, no, no. This is Albert Finney, who oh, also Albert got Finney. yes, okay. He got an Academy Award nomination. I want to say George C. Scott did uh, a version of Scrooge that CBS did as a TV movie. Okay, but yeah, it's in the same window of time there was. And I swear to God, Drew, the song that's performed in this part of the film actually took home an Academy Award nomination. <laughs> 
All right, it's called Thank You Very Much. And it's the slums of London, and people are gathered outside of Scrooge's house, and they begin this bright, happy, singing and dancing number, and, and Scrooge, who's observing this as, as with the ghost of Christmas yet to be, it's like, oh, they're happy, and they're happy because of me. And, you know, what Scrooge doesn't realize is why everyone is singing and dancing and joyous is directly behind him as he's dancing in the street. They are carrying his coffin out of his house. It's Scrooge's death that is making the people in the slums of London happy. And, I mean, they literally have people dancing on Scrooge's coffin in the middle of this production number. And it's just sort of like, oh, please tell me this makes it into Scrooge, uh, Christmas Carol the animated version, because I I really want to see that again. Speaking of things I I really want to see again, season three of Central Park. Uh, We just found out that starting up again on Apple TV Plus on September 9th, 13 episode season uh, runs through November 18th and, and of course features friend of the show, Josh Gad, who, by the way, told me to say hello. Uh, he's in New Zealand right now and just answered a whole bunch of questions uh, about, uh, for me, about Frozen Ever After. And I'll be using those for a feature I'll be doing on, on Disney Dish shortly. Did you see? It looks like Josh recorded some new stuff for the, uh, the cruise ship, too. Did he really? Because there's an animatronic Olaf that is carted around much in the same style as our beloved Remy and the other forgotten members of the Living Character Initiative um, during dinner. In the dinner theater? Yeah, they they have a. It's literally a cart. It's just. It's. I'm sure it's using the same stuff as as Remy, but it's a full. You know, the character is about two feet tall on top of this cart and and speaking. And saying lines that I don't think were in the movie unless there was a deleted scene about the uh, generosity of the second dessert uh, that's coming out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think Josh – I haven't asked him about it, but I think he recorded some some new stuff for that. Oh, I, I wish I'd known to ask him about that. Damn. Okay. Well, you'll actually be going on the Disney Wish, Jim, unlike some of us on this podcast. So you can uh, you can talk to him. Working, after working. That. I'm in mm-hmm. dancing bear mode. The people who signed up for that storybook destination thing, they're enjoying the cruise. I'm, I'm the one running around telling pointless stories. And speaking of of animatronics, and I, I, do you remember the baby Groot thing they used to have at the studio? Yeah, I never saw that, but... um. That was impressive. The problem was finding Chris Pratt impersonators in Florida. That was a little problematic. They they were always a little scrawny, (laughs) you know, and and just couldn't quite pull off Chris Pratt. But anyway, bring up uh, the animatronic Groot, because I Am Groot, the new series, well, it's five shorts. That starts on Disney Plus on August 10th. Did you know that the shorts are like movie? Qual- they're like the movie versions of Groot. Are they really? Yeah, there's no there's no stylization on the animation. It's, I mean, MPC or whoever might have actually been responsible for the shorts. That's how close they are to what's in the movie. Very cool. Yeah, it's pretty look, cool. Look forward to yeah. look forward to checking those out. Finally, as we wrap up the nude section here, I I want to ask, what do you make of Netflix buying Animal Logic? I think you oh. actually talked about that this was in the works a, a few weeks back. Yeah, what I hope for, I mean, they haven't specified what they're being used for, right? Is it? I'm assuming it's feature animation, which wouldn't help the sort of weird situation with TV. Which I don't know if you saw. 
uh, Gendy talking about, mm-hmm. who actually I sat next to at dinner a couple of nights ago, unbeknownst to either oh. of us. But I said, oh, hi, um, mm-hmm. at, at Casa Vega. Um, wow. But, uh, okay. you know, he said, like, you know, Netflix doesn't really support your show once it's done. Mm-hmm. They can, you know, kind of talk a big game. But I was kind of hoping that Animal Logic might be able to close the gap in the sense that we, you and I had been hearing that a lot of the shows were canceled as they were being sent away for final animation. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, animate now Netflix has an animation studio. Mm-hmm. Maybe that won't happen as much, but it seems like it's probably going to be for feature animation well, it, more. It, it, it's so interesting you bring this up because we were telling the, the Craig McCracken story uh, at the top of the show. And after production was wrapping on the third season of, of Kid Cosmic, he supposedly pitched... 10 ideas for show, new shows to Netflix, and they didn't pick up one of them. Oh, I didn't, he- I didn't hear that, but that makes perfect sense. I mean, I assumed that, that there had been some kind of falling out. You and I just last week were talking about The Sea Beast and how much we both enjoyed that. That's Netflix. They, you know, they supported that film, but it just, given some of the decisions they've made lately, I just don't necessarily trust the people who are in the, the the corner offices about you know the, the creative decisions they're making and, and in fact on the second half of today's show we'll talk about how that's also something that seems to be going on at Warner's uh, especially in regard to DC. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you see that Lightyear has a date for Disney Plus? Yes, yes, August third. Is that is that correct? Yes, or? yeah. So I think we need cool. to encourage everyone that didn't see it in the theater. Oh, I don't know. It's this is a great movie, folks. If you seriously, if you didn't see it in theaters, in fact, I, I was in Target just this week, you know, and was eyeballing. There's an opportunity here because as soon as it begins running on Disney Plus, all these toys are going to go clean, and and Target actually had them. You know, a lot of them marked down by a third. Oh, interesting. Listen, I'm still, I still got my eye on that $400 socks, Jim, so. You and me both. You and me both. <laughs> All right, so Drew, what is your plan for this Saturday at Comic-Con? Because the Warner Brothers panel is in Hall H beginning at 10.15 a.m., and then the Marvel Studios panel isn't till 5 p.m. Now, I, I, I know you know people, so you don't necessarily have to camp out 
in Hall H and sit there for all of the panels in between. But given your wonderful Mission Impossible themed podcast, Light the Fuse, which, by the way, coming up on its big 200th episode, it's true. you're going to want to be in the Warner's panel to hear what Henry Cavell, who, of course, you know, had made such a, a memorable appearance in Mission Impossible Fallout, you're going to want to hear what he has to say because he's supposedly talking about what's going to happen next with Superman. Well, yeah, I mean, the things I've heard about Superman mm-hmm. in the DC upcoming DC universe does not lead me to believe that he would be there. But who knows? Okay. From what I understand, well, I shouldn't say it. I'll tell you off air what what okay. happens to Superman. But um, yeah, I'm not going to be at DC. I don't think I will be at at Marvel. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very. You know, DC has a lot of irons in the fire. It does. It does. And we were talking about them at the top of the show. I mean, the, the Batwheels thing. But when you look at the, the Warner Brothers in DC, at least the live action side, it's kind of been erratic these last couple of years. I mean, I, you actually tweeted out. I, I had read it before you put it out, but I totally agree with you in regard to Tiana Siegel's piece that she did for the Rolling Stone about Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League and, and how the oh, yes. may... I, I will be piece. I will be throwing on uh, Matt Baloney's podcast on the way down to San Diego, I'm sure, because he's talking to her about it on the town, his Ringer podcast. But yeah, everyone should read Tatiana's great story. And she got a wonderful assist in that piece by by Adam Ronsley. That I mean, some amazing reporting. There's also been a ta- lot of talk about what's Warner's going to do in regard to the Flash, given that Ezra Miller can't seem to stay out of trouble and this is supposed to be there there's big summer blockbuster for the summer of 2023 in fact that that's supposed to hit theaters in june 23rd of next year and it's just there are some really good movies being made in the dc extended universe i mean todd phillips joker matt reeves you know the batman so it's not like everything's misfiring but it just makes me kind of crazy that if you pivot to what Warner's animation group is doing with these DC original movies. In fact, this Friday night, folks can go to Ballroom 20 and watch the brand new DC original movie. In this case, it'll be Green Lantern, Beware My Power. You can see it up on a big screen just ahead of when this DC original movie goes on sale. In fact, it'll be showing up on store shelves Tuesday, July 26th. And then just three days after that, we get DC League of Super Pets. What have you heard about that, Drew? I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen it yet, Jim. I I don't go until Monday morning when I get back, so I'm sure I'll be real alert for that one. (laughs) It is a Jared Stern film. All right, and this is the guy who co-wrote the Lego Batman movie, the Lego Ninjago movie, and that's at least what I've heard. It's... it, it was a funny script, you know, as it went into production, and this is Jared directing. So I have high hopes. By the way, I, have you heard that Jared once wrote a Small World movie? This was in 2014, and for a time, John Turtletop was supposed to direct? I remember the project. At one point, I believe it was just called The Cruise? The Cruise? Cruise? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I will I will do some digging though. I have long thought about doing a piece about the unmade theme park based projects of the Walt Disney uh, Company and reaching out to everyone. By the way, Bill Stout has actually 
through Brian Gon said that he is perfectly willing a to come on the show and b to talk. So he did a lot of concept stuff for uh, Magic Kingdom. So we could get some cool. That's stories here. you know well, that's interesting because I have struck up a friendship with one of the creative principles of that movie, and they have never seen Bill's work. So maybe we could get him to come oh. to the show, too, and it could be this great Ooh. unveiling of things. Ooh. Oh, I um, love this. I love Yeah. <laughs> Planning in real time, folks. Again, this is why you don't want to get too much coffee into Drew. Right. Well, yeah, but you got, you got to share your uh, Brian's contact information with me before I head down there so I can go say hello to him oh, and Bill. I will. I, I will. I will. Cool, cool. But again, just to sort of uh, double back on DC original films, I mean, these haven't been around all that long. First one drops back in September of 2007. This was Superman Doomsday. But there have been 47 of them to date. Catwoman Hunted was the most recent release that hit store shelves uh, back in February of this year. And of course, Green Lantern, Beware of Power coming up. And then, as I think we mentioned earlier in the show, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons, that hit store shelves in October 18th of this year. But what's interesting is the next one, Drew, it's, uh, that's the 50th title in this series. And I, I'm really hoping at this point, given that these DC original movies have made a lot of money for the studio. They've been a, a very consistent producer, high quality all the way through. I'm really hoping for for film number 50 that the team at, at DC uh, Original Movies get their long-deserved moment in the spotlight. It's time to be recognized. Well, I know that internally they're, they're sort of seen as, as the direct translation of a lot of these comic book stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do give them credit for switching up the art style Every so often. Oh, yeah. By the way, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons will be the very first CG DC original movie. You know, all the other ones up until this point have been hand-drawn. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what the look of that one is. Have you watched the New Frontier, the Darwin Cook adaptation? I really enjoyed that, and largely because of the animation yeah. style. I mean, it, it, it's beautiful. They did a great job. Folks, be sure to check this out. But again, we I keep bringing up time because poor Drew has to pack and begin driving down the five. So. I still got stuff to write, Jim. So that's how messed up I am. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have to stop talking. So, uh, but but before I stop talking, I need to remind you if you're not listening to Drew's wonderful Light the Fuse podcast, which he does with Charles Hood, you are missing out on some truly amazing stories. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, they are coming up on their 200th episode, which Drew has clued me into to what's coming. And uh, seriously, you cannot miss the show, folks. Yeah, I agree. You should watch, You should listen to the 200th. It's really, it is going to be mind-blowing. So that's all I can say. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, we mentioned also that Drew tweeted out uh, that, that uh, amazing Rolling Stone story. So, again, put a lot of folks into, in the know about that wonderful piece about the Zack Snyder version of Justice League and the role bots may have been played in, in that project going forward. Um, but, again, you'd only have heard about that early if you've been following Drew on social media. So, Drew, can you tell folks how they can do that? Sure. Uh, this is uh, something you can do on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Drew Tailored like a tailored shirt. And there you go. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Finally, one last request here, folks. If you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple, Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just the show you're listening to, fine tuning, uh, but also light the fuse, that would be helpful. If you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be great as well. 
And that's gonna do it. So I'm gonna shut up now so Drew can go finish writing whatever he needs to write and pack and begin the drive on the five. So thanks again for listening, folks. We'll be back soon.